This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 319, The Genius of Business Franchising with Marty Greenbaum. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode. I've got some news for you. I don't know if you're aware, but there are quite a few people out there in their W-2 employee punch the clock kind of jobs that have reached the very end of their patience for this employee style job. But at the same time, they're not quite at the place where they're ready to start at absolute ground zero and become an entrepreneur with zero dollars in the bank and no proven plan where their brand new business idea may or may not work out. Now, maybe your idea for a waterproof sponge, for example, might not be ready for the prime time, or maybe a solar-powered flashlight or a doorless microwave might still be patent pending, you know? And if you're not sure if you're ready to put your life savings into starting any of those business product ideas, we've got some other ideas too. Imagine a world where you could have the support and the resources you needed for a big corporation while still being in control of your own business. That is the beauty of franchising. You simply open a business that has a proven model, a operations manual for success, and in fact, a track record of success as well. You're the boss. You own your own business, but you're not there alone. You can get out of that soul-sucking nine-to-five grind, and you can escape the corporate world through opening a franchise. Today, we have a special guest who's an expert in the world of franchising. So get ready to learn all about the benefits and the pitfalls of franchising and how it could be a great path to entrepreneurship, but there are a lot of things to consider. I've met many people who jumped headfirst into the franchise Kool-Aid pool, but did not do their due diligence first and lost a lot of money and time in the process. So in our episode today, our guest is going to dive into how to ask the right questions and make sure you're doing your due diligence. Our guest is Marty Greenbaum. He's a top franchise consultant with over 30 years of experience in franchising. He served his family's franchise opening hundreds of locations and then grew an extremely successful marketing agency in franchising, helping brands achieve their goals. He is a certified franchise executive and founder of Smart Franchise Investing and is dedicated to helping people make smart decisions when it comes to franchise ownership. He's helped hundreds of people explore franchise ownership, serving them as a franchise consultant, an educator, and even a franchise matchmaker of sorts. So today he's going to give us an incredible insight into the world of franchising. So let's take it away, Marty. Marty, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mark. Great to be here. Glad you came on. I've been really looking forward to this topic of franchise investing, and I want you to start us off with a story of someone you've recently helped with something I guess a lot of us have seen, that 1-800-GOT-JUNK truck that just drives around everybody's town in small town America. What is that? How did this guy you helped get involved with that? And tell us that story. Well, listen, I'm in the process of helping him. It's one of many. I've been I've been a franchise consultant and uh like I, I like to say matchmaker for the past five years after being in franchising. 
30 years. So I have a, one of my clients, he's a 1-800-GOT-JUNK franchisee for 19 years, started with one, he's in Texas. Here's a guy who started, he was in banking and finance. 19 years ago, he started and he was in his 30s. And he decided, you know what? I want to get out of banking. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to create my own, you know, path, right? And he realized that franchising could be the way to go because they train you, they support you. And he never was in the junk business, never thought about being in the junk business. And most people don't know this, but like 75% of the people that get into franchising were not never were never in that industry before. You don't have to have junk business and you know experience to get into 1-800-GOT-JUNK, all right? It's a great franchise, it's a needed service. And he grew that over 19 years. Now he owns all of Houston, all of San Antonio, and all of like Fort Worth and surrounding areas. Mm. And what's crazy about this, this guy, and listen, I don't wanna mention his numbers, but his numbers are amazing what kind of money he makes with all these territories that he owns. Those are massive territories, right? Mm -hmm. And so the funny thing that I, that thing I love is for the last eight years, he's been living in Southwest Denver by Telluride with his family in a beautiful home, enjoying life. He has management taking care of it. So, right. you know, you think like, wow, this is a guy who started, never expected probably to get here, but he did. And he's a, he's a smart, he's a smart guy. Now he and I are talking about what's next. He's ready for another franchise. He's, he wants to scale another brand. And that's, what's good about franchising. And I think everybody's heard about these stories. You hear somebody owning one or, or then growing it to five or 10 or whatever. So franchising is kind of designed for that. So you started Smart Franchise Investing. What are the services you offer, potential franchisees, franchisors? Just describe what you do. Well, basically, I work with potential franchisees, people, professionals, mostly executives that are either looking to create another income stream, looking for a semi-passive investment in a franchise. Some of my clients are looking to get out of corporate America. They're just done right? And they know they have the talent and the skill to get into something else, but to invent something, to reinvent the wheel and be uh, do a startup is a little daunting, right? So they look at franchising and they say, all right, what's out there and what could make sense for me? And what's good about franchising is you have all the training support systems, marketing technology, uh, but you also have some provable performance there. And not all franchises are great franchises, don't get me wrong, but there are many that are really strong that have really solid proven performance that you can validate, right? So I help people explore franchising. That's mainly what I do. Like I don't work, I used to, most of my career I spent on the other side. I had a big marketing agency in franchising. I worked with franchisors most of my career as a marketing strategist. I had a team, I had an, a good, you know, solid marketing company. I've worked with over 125 franchise brands, very active in the franchise community. So I've kind of seen the other side of franchising. I, I like to tell my clients I, I've seen under the hood, definitely. Been to hundreds uh, of shows and events and spoke at events, but really now I'm focused on helping people 
that are looking to make smart investments in franchising really understand it and investigate it. I'm not one to sell somebody on it. I don't do that. I don't pressure. I don't sell anything. I'm more of an educator and a matchmaker. When did you realize you had a passion for franchising? Well, listen, my family started a franchise, so I kind of grew up in it. My family started a brand called PostNet. It's a competitor to UPS stores. So I was involved in hundreds of stores opening as a young man and kind of grew up with it. So got involved on the marketing side and then eventually left my family's company to open up a marketing company and then going to all these, you know, there's the International Franchise Association, all the events and this and that. I grew a passion for it. I love it because you're surrounded by people that are all trying to raise the bar on what they're doing, being innovative, creating you know new brands or just growing their system. And really what they're doing is they're helping people gain freedom and they're helping. There are 780,000 franchise locations in the U.S., I mean, this is a big driver of the economy. It's, you know, most people they see and, and they think of brands like McDonald's and Subway and, and Chick-fil-A or Dunkin' Donuts. And they think, oh, okay, but it's amazing the different industries franchising is touched. So I like it because I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. And I really love what I do now because I get to help people kind of figure out what path to go on and what could be a smart investment for them. So I'm very careful in working with my clients and helping them understand this all, educating them and helping them identify brands that could make sense for them. So what is the difference between just starting a brand new business and a franchise, starting a franchise business? Why would I pick one versus the other? What sort of temperament does it take to start a franchise versus starting a brand new from scratch business? I could talk a little bit from experience with this because my marketing agencies, I started from scratch. And anybody who's done that knows that there's that learning curve where you're going into something and you do your best to figure out how much money will I need? What do I need to get there? But you know what? The learning curve is costly and it's and it's tough right? So imagine you got, let's say you wanted to get into a business and it could be anything, but you have this franchise organization that will train you and that will support you. I want to, I want to give you a perspective on this. Think about this in a independent business, you're by yourself. Maybe you reach out to an association. Maybe you you make some contact with other people in the same business but they're they're usually not open to sharing that much information. So you're limited on what you're going to find out and know. And a lot of it may not be applicable because their business is going to be a little bit different than your business. But in a franchise, every business is the same. And think about this. Franchise organizations, if we think about it in a bigger scale, well, they have a vested interest in the success of their franchisees because, listen, they're in the business of royalty collection. I think everybody kind of knows that if you get into a franchise, you have to pay royalties. Royalties aren't great to pay, of course, but are they worth it? Yes, for the right franchise, they are. But think about this. If you were the franchise or if I was one of these big brands, I would want to make sure that my franchises are doing as much money as they could because the more money they make, the more money I make in royalties. 
specialties. So they have that vested interest, okay? So guess what? In franchising, they've taken this business model and if they had 100 franchisees or 200, think of the opportunities to take a single business model and distill it down to the most powerful, most profitable business model possible. Now, you get into this model and they've got amazing training. They support you for the life of the business. Marketing, they figured it out. Most people that get into business, they're trying to figure out all their business and marketing is a really a big part of failure because they don't know how to get out there and get customers or it takes too long to grow and they run out of money, right? Franchise companies have great marketing, typically outperform independents by far and rank quicker and they have resources. So that's big. They often invest in incredible technology. It's amazing. Even service companies nowadays, the technology they have for bidding and estimating tied into everything in social media and reviews. I mean, there's so many benefits to franchising. So that's why 80% of independent businesses aren't in business anymore after five years. But franchising really has such a two to three times more success rate than independent businesses. And it's because, mm. you know, they got to figure it out and, the, and you have the support. So this is just my own outsider perspective, but it's almost like having a big brother helping you succeed in your business. You know, the big brother being kind of the headquarters or the organization that's helping you with your with your franchise, the franchisor, you might say. I'd be out of just raw, pure curiosity, it'd be very interesting to know how many firstborns start their own business versus how many secondborns or thirdborns um, start franchises. That's just out of my own curiosity. There's probably no st study out there on that, but it, it might behoove somebody to really decide who are the right kinds of people. I'll ask you this question, Marty. You've thought a lot more about this than I have. Who are the right kinds of people? What, does, what sort of digestional fortitude do you need to start a franchise? Well, let me, let me make a comment on something you said a moment ago because I think it's uh, important. First of all, just think about this too. Like I was, one of my good friends is the CEO of Oxy Fresh Carpet Cleaning, um, which is in Denver. They have over 450 locations. I was at their annual conference, okay? This conference was like incredible because, and I was at the award ceremony, Jonathan Barnett, the CEO is a friend of mine. So he was coming, it was here in Vegas. I live in Vegas. So I went with my wife. And just listening to their stories and listening to their success, but even more so, I want people to realize, like, it was a family. These franchisees got to know each other through the years. That's great. They're all helping each other. They stay in regular contact. You're joining a family. That's another big benefit people overlook. I just want you to know. Now, well, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. The other thing you were mentioning about who do you need to be to be a franchise owner, basically, what what's uh, attributes you may you know need to have, right? Listen, here's the thing: I when I work with clients, I get to understand what skills do they have, what's their past career, what abilities do they have, are they have they had sales experience, have they managed people, have they? It's so funny. Most people think like I've never been an entrepreneur, so how can I be in a franchise? I'm scared. Can I be successful? Okay. And the fact is, is, is that if you're open to learning, right, and, you, and you're driven and you have some business acumen that you've gained from whatever career you've been in, okay, not every 
franchise, you need to be a great salesman. You could be a great systems guy, a great manager, all right? I mean, different franchises look for different attributes and they know what attributes they're looking for because they they go out there and they they do surveys, they they get profiles, they understand who their top performers are. Every yeah. great franchise knows the attributes of their top performers. So if you like I had a client right now, he's he's about to buy. So here's an IT guy, right? And the IT guy, uh Aaron, he's been in IT for years. And and he and I were talking and I was telling him about this blinds, you know, window blinds, window covering franchise, right? And he says, Well, I don't know, because you know, I've never done that. But the fact is, is he's really good over the phone. He's not your typical IT guy. He's got a great personality. I said, no, I think you'd be great. It's a, you know, it was in his comfort zone. But as far as investment, they had some great territory. We made sure that a great territory around him. And he's outside of Detroit. Okay. And, the, and he spoke to their CEO and the CEO wrote me back. He said, at first, I was a little bit worried because I saw IT and that's not our guy usually. But after learning about Aaron, and what he said that he and Aaron had this discussion where Aaron shared that he's been a karate instructor for years. And it's all about discipline. It's all about promoting some really great things in people and helping them grow and be confident. And after he learned about how my client was this karate instructor, he said, oh, my God, this this opens. It's a new light for, you know, in, in regards to is this a good candidate? Right. So. He had a great discussion, learned his personality, learned his background. He says, you know what? He's good. And by the way, not all franchises, like franchise companies, they want you to be successful and they won't approve anybody. So you can't just buy a franchise. They have to accept you, award you a franchise. They don't want people failing. 20 years ago, if you had the money, if you were breathing and you had the money, you could be a franchisee. They let everybody in. But the thing is, they don't do that anymore. They want to make sure you're a good fit. And that's kind of my role too. I want to make sure you're a good fit. I want to make sure mm -hmm. you're going to be successful. So yeah. Okay. So, you know, what are some of the common mistakes or pitfalls to avoid? What are some of the, um, oh, the due diligence that we need to make sure we're taken care of when we do the, this franchise purchase? Right. So first of all, most people, I mean, I've heard some stories about people failing and it's heartbreaking right? What you don't want to do is like most people doing this, it's a sizable investment. By the way, the investments in service type franchises are like usually one to 250, 100,000 to 250. There's some below 100. And then if you get into anything that's retail, you're because there's a build out is closer to three to 600,000. So just keep in mind those things. So if you're going to invest in a franchise, it could be sizable money, right? By the way, you would finance 80% of that, right? Mm -hmm. But here's the problem that people, I think, get into. They get excited. They see a franchise. It pop, you know, something crosses their mind, pops in their head, or they read something, and they go searching online for franchises. The, the, the problem is, is they've never bought a franchise. And you could call up a franchisor. And, and by the way, all franchisors are a little bit different. But you talk to a franchise sales guy, and he's going to sell you a franchise. 
right? Right. Yeah. Ask a ask a barber you know, if you need a haircut. It's, I mean, I like to say everybody's going to say, oh, if you're not a perfect fit, forget about it. It varies. Like, so there is a risk like of people doing that. A, they don't know what to look for or ask, right? They, they limit themselves to certain things that they know about. So the, the, the fact is they don't really, really understand it. And they don't know the questions to ask. They don't know. There's things like the franchise disclosure document. It's a document required by the Federal Trade Commission. It has a lot of information. And if you don't know how to decipher that, it's kind of a scary document. It's written to really protect franchisors more than franchisees, but it's a very daunting thing. And I usually have attorneys help my clients before they buy. They have to understand what they're getting into from a legal standpoint. But other than that, there's also so many questions at every step of the process. So I've developed a bunch of tools like during your due diligence, if you're talking about territory, here's these top 10 questions you should ask the franchisor, how's the territory determined, right? And you want to see if you wanted to get into bigger territory or expand, how's that going to work, right? Mm -hmm. And how do they do they have any data analytics to support the selection of territories? I mean, but this is there's some questions based on marketing and operations and everything. And that's the thing. Even if you're a really smart guy or gal, you just it's hard to know these questions. So there's a lot to the due diligence, like also speaking with existing franchise owners. Like if I was going to buy into a franchise, I'd want to talk to existing owners. The problem is, is that franchisors will say, here, here's five people to talk to, have some calls, reach out to them, or they provide you with pre-recorded webinars, right? Now, the problem with that is that they're saying what the franchisor wants them to say. So I always tell my clients, reach out to others. Like I had a client that bought into a brand called Team Logic like two months ago. He actually reached out to 28 franchisees. And you know what was amazing? He went forward and bought the franchise. What mm -hmm. a testament to Team Logic, right? Right. There's a lot to know and do. And even asking, if you have one, ch one chance to talk to an existing franchise owner, you got to ask them the right questions. I want you to get the most out of that. I've, I provide with my clients, but here's the questions you need to ask, right? So right. the fact is there's a lot that goes into it. And, and what you want to do is you want to mitigate risk because buying a franchise is the biggest thing you're probably going to do, right? And the fact is, is like, yes, it's scary. And yes, there's some risk, but you could really mitigate most of the risks by doing the right due diligence and getting the answers you need. And then you decide whether it makes sense for you or not, okay? But I help also, like when I'm working with a client, I'm narrowing down, we have a lot of discussion and like, I'm going to present strong brands that I feel good about that I would do if I was in their shoes. So, you know, so working with a consultant like me helps you mitigate risk and it's going to help you just have a much stronger due diligence. And I don't pressure people if they, if, if they get all those boxes checked, they could move forward. It's up to them, but I want to make sure that they're doing it right. So they don't get hurt. And I want to come back to how you kind of help us here, but I want to throw out an idea, just swapping brainstorm with you as I'm thinking about the work you do. A lot of our clients that either listen to this podcast or our clients at Lake Growth Financial Services, 
many of them, I'm thinking of several dozen at least, uh, are into franchising and have purchased franchises. I'm thinking of a gentleman right now, he's purchased into a franchise. And one of the strategies that we specialize in at our firm is using something called bank on yourself. And it's a it's a little known variation of whole life insurance, essentially, where you plow a bunch of money into a cash value life insurance policy. And the interesting thing about this particular type of life insurance is that you can borrow against it, like a line of credit, you might say, but the policy itself, the cash value will keep on growing as if you did not borrow that money. So for example, if I have $200,000 in cash value in my life insurance policy, I can borrow against that for, let's say, 150 grand and go buy a franchise or whatever. I love that. Now my franchise is doing what it's going to do, but I still have the growth and compounding uninterrupted in my life insurance at the same time. And I'm thinking about this. This would be a really cool way to self-finance your franchise. So when you're buying in, that might be one application here. But also... I assume that money is still going to be needed after I buy that franchise for things. You know, the 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 French fry fryer needs to be replaced, or the the new fleet of trucks for the the bugs. If I'm in a like a let's say a mosquito franchise, right. I'm gonna need to buy some trucks. I assume so. Regular access to lines of capital or you know, lines of credit or contingency cash in my life insurance policy makes me more resilient as a franchisee. Is it? Would you add anything to this? Uh, any insights or ahas for that? Well, listen, no, I love that. I wasn't aware of that. So I love that. We need to talk about that, you know, because, but I want people to understand something. And this is something I share with all my clients. Listen, when you get with a franchise and they provide you with, hey, here's the initial investment. They provide you with a range. Okay. Because what it costs to open up a franchise in New York City is going to be different than Nashville, Tennessee, or, you know, Scottsdale, Arizona. Right. So the fact is, is that you get this range and it's called the initial investment. And typically they're going to have, they break it down line item by line item in the franchise disclosure document. It's called the item seven of the franchise disclosure document. What I have told my clients to be careful of is, is like, okay, so you go into this and you're getting a loan or you're, you know, your financing is going to be based on this initial investment. Okay. The fact is, is this, you have to ask the franchisor, by the way, one of the questions that I make sure you ask is, how long does it take on average to get break, to, to break even, cash flow mm-hmm. positive? And when you talk to existing franchisees, you're going to say, how long did it take you to get to cash flow <laughs> positive? And mm-hmm. what's your typical operating costs? Because that's that that could be fifty or hundred thousand dollars that you know you didn't account for in your initial financing, and so you get off into business, and here you go, and you find you know you got you bought this franchise, and the ninety days of working capital is up, and all of a sudden you're still putting money into the business, right? And and maybe you didn't account for it. I mean, right. that could be very tough for people if they didn't account for it or understand that that it's not going to just take this initial investment. It'll probably take a little more capital to get to the point where you're at break even and start. So what does all that look like? So I really educate people on, you know, I I help them with understanding how to finance their business. But traditionally, I also have some people, go-to people, depending on the client situation. Okay. And I love your idea. Love it. But um, so I hope that was helpful. Yeah, it is. Know, I, I, I just I find sure that people understand that I find that banks are oftentimes the the final 
the resting place of many businesses. And I assume that's true with many franchisees as well. People start with an idea, they pour money into their dream, they open up that franchise, unexpected curveballs hit their business unexpectedly, of course. And then they rely on somebody else's bank to hold them for a few more months until finally the bank sucks them dry and then they sell the place for parts. Well, listen, those horse stories happen, but they won't happen if you go into it and you ask the right questions. There you go. You know, so that's the key. Yep. You know, people that jump into this and don't have help, right? I mean, if I were to jump in and start trying to trade my own stocks, you know, and, you know, the guys who are doing it for years, those are the guys, you know, so I mean, yes, with consultants, like, and by the way, you know, I didn't bring this up, but I work like a real estate agent. People don't pay me anything. If if somebody, if we find a great franchise and my client loves it and does the due diligence and decides to move forward, then I get a referral fee from franchise companies and I represent over 600 brands, right? Mm. So they don't even pay me. At, you know, it's, I get a referral fee. Kind so of it's like, a, that's, yeah. that was going to be one of my questions. So the franchise or pays you if, right you sign up a franchisee and you're hoping to connect franchisees with franchisors. Uh, so yeah, that I'm really good at what I do. I'll have a lot of success and guess That's what right. I do. Right. That's I great. do. And I could do this without like, I don't, I don't play games with people's future. I don't mislead people. I want them to be successful. I want them to tell their friends, Hey, you got to talk to Marty. You really helped us into this, into this <laughs> franchise. You know, I want people to succeed. So I represent over 600 brands. I don't try to fit a square peg in a round hole. I'm not worried about tomorrow's commission. I've done well in my life, okay? So I want people to succeed. So mm -hmm. that's where I come from. That's great. Um, it's, it seems like we'd it. have a we have a lot to talk about there because, you know, a lot of the work we do helps the business owner finance and operate that business that you help them get started or connected to. Uh, and right. the truth, the scary truth is that we're already under the thumb, many of us are under the thumb of banks and banking. And uh, if we can be our own source of financing and bank on your bank on ourselves, then when those major expenses come up, or for the initial investment, what a great way to sort of finance that capital purchase or operate the finance the financing of the franchise as the years go on. So you've got a lot that you offer and a lot that you educate folks on. You've been very kind to be so educating with us today, I've certainly learned a lot. How can folks reach out to you? How can folks learn more about the work you do for folks that are looking at this as a business or investment opportunity? Well, I, my website is smartfranchiseinvesting.com. So smartfranchiseinvesting.com. My email is marty at smartfranchiseinvesting.com. So, you know, feel free to check out my website. There's ways to get through, you know, through to me through the website. Marty, or email me direct at marty at smartfranchiseinvesting.com. We could set up a time to talk. I'm more than happy to walk people through this and see if franchising is a good fit or not. Very good. And and I assume that this can be done both uh, as an individual or within a business or within an IRA. As long as the funds are available for such things, you're able to help them with uh, what with where to put the money, which investment, which franchise, and you help them through education, showing them options and doing that important, very important due diligence. Even more so, I've developed a process. That's great. Right? So I walk people through this. I have an easy process where I get to know them. We brainstorm 
I ultimately am going to come back to them and saying, here's my recommendations and here's why. So like I have, I have a great process. So, uh, that's yeah. great. Okay. That's a uh, smartfranchiseinvesting.com. If you have a bank on yourself policy, there's lots of ways you could use the money, lots of ways to do it. One option, of course, is to invest a portion of that in a safe place with uh, with possibly a franchise. So look into this, see if that's a part of your risk profile. You know, of course, chat with me or my team if you need help discussing overall financial plans here. But Marty is a, an incredible resource for learning which franchise and if franchising is a good fit for you. And if so, which franchise might be the best fit? Marty, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all your wisdom and insights with us today. Had a great time, Mark. Thank you. I appreciate being on the show. Definitely. Marty, thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing your insight, your experience, and your wisdom. Guys, there are some takeaways and action steps I recommend we look into as you consider this option. First of all, research your franchise options. Visit Marty's website, which again is smartfranchiseinvesting.com, and you can learn more about the franchise opportunities available to you. Take time to explore some of the different industries and some of the brands. See if any of them align with what you're trying to do, your interests, your skills, your financial goals. Number two, be sure to conduct due diligence. This is really the sweet sauce. I cannot emphasize this one enough. If you decide to move forward with a franchise, it's crucial to conduct thorough due diligence. This includes reviewing the franchise disclosure document, speaking with maybe existing franchise owners, as Marty talked about, and asking the right questions about territory, marketing, operations, financials, all the good stuff. Marty's great at helping providing guidance on that due diligence process, helping you navigate the landmines in the franchise landscape. Next, think about how you're going to buy this thing. What are your financing options? If you're interested in financing your franchise investment, Explore options like the bank on yourself policies that we talked about in today's episode. These are policies that allow you to borrow against the cash value of life insurance policies while still earning interest on the entire cash value, even what you've borrowed against. So discuss this option with Marty and with me and, and consider whether or not using a bank on yourself type policy would help you in financing your franchise and providing ongoing capital for your business expenses, whether it's inventory or vehicle purchases, whatever it might be. And remember, franchising can be lucrative, rewarding, but it's important to do your research. So seek out experts like Marty and make some good informed decisions. So thank you everyone for joining me and Marty for this week's episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think and live differently with your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.